I am Jonah, and the subtitle is God's Relentless Pursuit. And so this series is, the reason why it's called I Am Jonah, it's for one simple reason, it's because throughout the book of Jonah, you should be able to see yourself over and over and over again. And it's almost like the Jonah's life mimics our life as Christians as we're trying to follow God. And as we're trying to um, follow God's spirit in our lives, there's all these tendencies that we have that we see in the life of Jonah. And so we're going to, throughout this series over the next couple weeks, look for yourself. See where you fit the story. See where Jonah's story overlaps with your story. Okay, so that's your task and... I'm going to start off with a story on U.S. Highway 95 in Idaho. Nina Friedman, she got pulled over for back taillight being out. And she pulls her car over. And um, uh, police chief Mike Hutter turned on, you know, he turned on his lights. She pulls over and he gets out of his car with his notebook in hand. And he starts walking up to her car. And as... He's right about at the door. She pushes the gas and takes off down the road. And so he runs back to his car, and he starts chasing her down. They went through two counties. Finally, the only way they could stop her is they threw out, a police got ahead of her. Uh, They threw out one of those uh, tacks, those strips of nails in it. And um, she hit it and blew out three of her tires. She actually kept, kept trying to go, but she couldn't since three of her tires were popped. And now the funny thing is the chase was over 25 miles, but she never went over the speed limit once. <laughs> okay, when it was 25, she was going 25. She took every turn meticulously. She... On the interstate that was 55, she was going 55. She wouldn't go 56 or 57. Now, Nina Friedman was not the type of person you would expect would be involved in a police pursuit. She was 66 years old. She had a 100% clean record. She's even unwilling to go over the speed limit. Not the type of person you would think of that would be involved in a police pursuit. But just like Mrs. Friedman, she was an unexpected runner. We're going to be reading this story of a prophet who is an unexpected runner. You would never expect that he'd run. Now, he's not running from the police. He's running from God. And we're going to read that story today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. We'll start off in Jonah 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. So one day God speaks to a guy named Jonah to pack his bags and head off to this city named Nineveh. Now keep in mind that Jonah is a prophet and in the Old Testament there were kind of two basic, uh, generally speaking, two basic kinds of spiritual influencers. First, you had the priests. The priests are in charge of worship at the temple and sacrifice. Uh, they, were, they, they ran things at the temple. The other group of spiritual influencers, they were called prophets. They were a whole different kind of category altogether. 
and they were like a reformer or an activist in uh, Israel. So one day, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. And you figure out, you know, Jonah's a prophet. He's used to tell God telling him what to do, and, you know, he should do it, right? Well, apparently not here, because as much as Jonah was a prophet, at least in his mind, he was a prophet to Israel, not the other nations, not those Gentiles over there. Not those heathens over there. He's a, he's a prophet to Israel, probably, in his, the way he thought of it. That's not part of my job description to go over there to the foreigners, or so he thought. But not only that, God doesn't instruct Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. God instructs Jonah to go and preach against Nineveh. Now, wh- what is this place called Nineveh, John? Who, what type of place is this? Um, well, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And in the 7th and 8th centuries B.C., Assyria was the world's great superpower. Okay? Great superpower. Assyria became known for chewing up and spitting out pretty much every nation around it. Embracing genocide as a... Um, against all their neighbors as a matter of state policy. And if we look at what happened in 722 B.C., um, Assyria killed, wiped away 10 out of the 12 tribes of Israel. That were, they're gone forever. They're wiped off the face of the earth by Assyria. And the capital of Assyria is Nineveh. As a prophet in Israel... Why, God? That's probably what he's thinking. Are you kidding me? I can't go there. Assyria often uh, buried surviving men up to their neck in sand, and then they'd take their tongues and stake them in the ground. I've actually heard that if the Assyrians had a minor dislike towards you, they'd make you listen to Justin Bieber's Christmas CD over and over again. Okay, I had to lighten it a little bit. We were getting too serious there. But Assyria was feared. Assyria was feared so much so that the prophet Nahum, he wrote this in Nahum 3.1. Woe to Nineveh, the city of blood. That's what Nineveh was called, the, the city of blood. Full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. Piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over corpses. You hear that and you begin to think, (gasps) you begin to understand why Jonah's a little reluctant or very reluctant to go to Nineveh. At least in his mind, Jonah had some pretty legitimate reasons for saying no when God was saying, yes, Jonah, go here. Guys, you think about when Nahum said these words, where do you think he was writing from? He was writing from his home country in Israel, where it's, you can write all this stuff you want, but now going there is a whole different story. Nahum was in his own country, Israel, a long ways from Nineveh. But God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. You got to learn the language, face them, face them face-to-face, and call them to repent. And Jonah says, Lord, 
probably said, Lord, Nahum got to do it from his own couch. Are you kidding me? I can't, couldn't I send a text message or a Facebook announcement or YouTube video? Please, God, why do I have to go there to the heart of this evil empire? Are you kidding me? You guys, it's really easy to come up with a bunch of reasons why you should say no when God's calling you to something, isn't it? It's easy for us. And it's easy to come up with reasons why we probably may not have heard the Holy Spirit. And maybe we heard wrong. The text says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord. Well, what exactly does the word of the Lord look like? Was it a dream? Was it a vision? Was it an audible voice? Was it a burning bush? We don't know. Was there room for doubt? We don't know. God probably, because it doesn't say here, God probably spoke to Jonah the way he normally speaks to you and I. That still small voice in our heart. That's how, probably how we heard it. And I, I have to wonder, was, was he thinking, maybe I, maybe I was just, had bad pizza? No matter how you look at it, what God said to Jonah didn't quite fall within Jonah's comfort zone, right? So Nineveh is the absence of what makes you most secure in life. Maybe it represents danger or the unknown or risk or fear in your life. That's what Nineveh represents. At very least, it's stepping out of your comfort zone, right? And I think as God's people, one of the th biggest things that we could conquer is that, that little thing called fear. Um, John Wimber used to teach us that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K, stepping out, taking a risk when we actually don't know the outcome. We don't know what's going to happen. And guess what? Jonah doesn't know what's going to happen if he goes to this place it's, that's, that's uh, that city of blood. He, he doesn't want to go there, and so he goes the other direction. Well, Jonah does, so exactly what happens here, John? Uh, Jonah does leave his home. He lived a few miles away from Nazareth, but not for Nineveh, right? He headed down to a coastal town of Joppa, which is near today's Tel Aviv. And, not, um, and he hops on a boat to escape to Tarshish. Okay, does anybody want to guess what direction Tarshish is in? Let me show you a map. Here's a map. So he's near Joppa right there. He's going to Joppa a few miles from his home. And God says, go to Nineveh. And guess what? He goes to Joppa to take a boat to go to Tarshish 2,500 miles away. Okay? The ex uh, basically, the exact opposite direction here. So, and he goes there. As fast as he possibly can. The prophet of God runs away from God. Pretty crazy. Who would ever do such a dumb thing? Right? Um, I don't know about you, but in my life, there's many, many times. Not too long ago, I was in Albertsons. And I'm like finding the spaghetti. Like I always get stuck. I know exactly the noodles that my wife wants me to get. But the the ragu, pragu, or like uh, the hundred, uh, I'm staring at all these jars of spaghetti sauce, and I just don't know which one, because we've never found one that's like 
perfect. So I just stare at him forever, and there's this person next to me, and I sense that I'm just supposed to, like, say hi and pray for her. And guess what I do? I ran away! (laughs) I literally had this inner feeling, this inner voice that says, pray for her. And I went like this. I looked at her, and I, like, (laughs) walked down the aisle, and I went to the next aisle, and I stayed there looking at tea that I didn't need any more tea. And I was just staying there, and I was thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why do I? And the funny thing is, she didn't know that God was asking me to pray for her or anything. She, she's just finding her spaghetti sauce too. And I wanted, guess what I want to do? I wanted to hide. I literally had to go around. Um, I'm so embarrassed by all these stories, right? But two days ago, I was at the post office here in San Dimas, and there was somebody that was coming in behind me, but she was just far enough away to not hold the door. But I sensed God's Spirit saying, hold the door, and guess what I did? I just kept going. I, and, I, and, and the crazy thing, I'm in line, she's behind me, and I just know that I blew it. I, like, I missed this opportunity. I'm just like staring at the ground as everybody else is on their phone. And, and I missed this opportunity. And that's, so, so these, there's these moments that God has for us. There's moments that God had for Jonah, and he literally goes the opposite direction. He's trying to hide from God. So why go through all the trouble of hiding from God? Jonah actually could have simply disobeyed from his very comfortable home, right? But he decides to run the other way. You see, when it comes to disobeying God, uh, it often demands a certain level of hiddenness in our life. We want to turn the other way. We want to, there's a certain level of hiding our lives. And it's just natural. It's what we as humans do when we think God's calling us to do something and we want to go the other way. Um, if we can just get it out of our minds, somehow it'll just be okay. As though it never happened, we won't get caught. Uh, there was this not-so-bright college student um, he was a football player who was taking a test, and the smartest kid in class was sitting across from him. The professor got the grades and graded everything. The professor accused the football player of cheating off the smartest guy in class. And the professor said to the football player, but you, go, but you guys both got the exact same score in the test, and you both got one question wrong. And the football player said, that's just chance. What are you talking about? Um, professor said, well, yeah, you got the same question wrong. And the football player said, well, yeah, that's just chance too. And the football player said, well, um, that, that's just chance. Like, come on, professor, you got any more proof? And then the professor said this. But his paper said, I don't know the answer to this question. And your paper said, I don't know the answer either. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not a real story, but it's a good one. Um, But we all run. We all run, and we've gotten so good at it that we can do it without even thinking about it. Well, it's my... Remember, we even talked about time a couple weeks ago. We we get so busy and caught up in our own stuff that we're just so used to just shutting it off, that inner voice of God's Spirit that's calling to us. So maybe there's a Nineveh that God's calling you to right now. Maybe God's asking you to forgive somebody. That's really hard to forgive. And so we don't want to, so you know what we do? We head on a ship to Tarshish. We start looking for that ship. We start sailing 
away. Maybe God's asking you to sacrifice. You don't want to. And you make your way to Tarshish. Maybe God's calling you to release a judgmental attitude. But I don't want to. Where's my ship for Tarshish? I want to go there. And we start looking. It might be difficult. It might be humbling. It might even be scary. But rather than say yes, we run to Tarshish. So here's verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Tarshish is not only the exact opposite direction from Nineveh, but in many ways it's the opposite kind of city. So Nineveh is a military city. It's the capital of Assyria. Tarshish was a commercial city. Uh, with great wealth, there's commerce and trade. It was, a, it was a lively city. You could make a living there very easily. And so Jonah gets on this ship heading for Tarshish, and he thinks he's running towards opportunity and security and safety. But maybe what really looks safe from a human perspective is not good for us at all, Right? So here's verse 4. Then the Lord sent this great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Guys, this is a major storm, and these are professional sailors. And they don't panic easy, but they're scared to death. They're scared to death. They're so scared that they're taking their cargo that they would have sold. They're going back and forth to sell goods. And they're throwing their livelihood out of the ship just to save their life. This is a serious storm. So they're not just throwing their stuff out. They're throwing their livelihood away. And so in the midst of that, what's Jonah doing? Yeah, he's sleeping, which we're going to learn in just a minute. And you know what they're doing? They're praying. And who are they praying to? Each their own God. Now, outside of Israel, the ancient world didn't exactly hold to monotheism. Instead, each ethnic group, each family embraced their own little set of tribal little gods, small g gods. And when the sea is calm, any old handcrafted god is okay. But when the storm like this hits, guess what? Now you're hoping that one of those handcrafted, carved gods is actually a real god. Does anybody know what? So Jonah, Jonah's below the deck. He's sleeping. When the storm's at its worst, he's at the bottom of the boat. And the captain is actually stunned. And he yells to Jonah. He says this, how can you sleep? How can you sleep? What are you doing, Jonah? Get up and call your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now here's the irony of this part. So you have a Gentile pagan ship captain calling the prophet of God to prayer. Right? Everything's upside down here. The pagan's doing what the prophet should be doing. And the prophet is doing... What pagans do, he's sleeping when it's time for prayer. And then we read in verse 7 that these sailors, they cast lots, and they find 
Yep, Jonah's responsible for this thing. Jonah's guilty. And so in verse 8, we read this. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And here's verse 10. Jonah's words terrified them. What? And they asked, what have you done? What have you done, Jonah? Are you kidding? All the fear, panic, desperation causes Jonah to come out of hiding to face the truth, to face reality. And realizing that his disobedience may have actually caused this entire storm. Well, the storm keeps getting worse. And the sailors, they ask Jonah, what should we do to, to calm the sea? In verse 11, and now imagine this. This is what Jonah says, this prophet. He says this, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. For the very first time in the story, Jonah says, I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not going to run Whatever it takes, whatever the cost is, I can't run any longer. And the crazy thing is, the sailors' response to what Jonah says, they don't want to kill Jonah. So what do they do? Verse 13 says, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder. Their lives are at at stake but they don't want to kill this Hebrew prophet. They don't. Like everything within them, they're saying, no way, we, don't, we can't throw him overboard. So what do they do? What do these sailors do? They pray again, okay? So we've already been told that they've each been praying to their little tribal God, right? Well, guess what? Notice how they're praying now in verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Who are they praying to? The Lord God. What a scene. A great storm, terrified sailors, a runaway prophet, a capsizing boat. Do you ever wonder what's happening in Jonah's mind up until this point? You have to, right? He's going to die. He's going to die, and he knows he's going to die if he goes over the edge of that ship. But he's tired of running from God. He can't take it anymore. He's willing to die if that's what it takes to stop running away from God. And he'd rather die than keep running, so to the point of telling them, throw me overboard. Throw me into the sea in the middle of the storm. And then, In verse 15, they actually do it. They throw Jonah overboard. And suddenly, the calm of this, I mean, the peace of God comes, and the storm grows quiet, silent. The storm's gone. But so is Jonah. Now, at one time or another, we've all run from God, and there's always a price to pay for it in our life. And normally the storm keeps hitting until you finally say, all right, I'll stop running. My life, my relationships, 
my money, my attitude, my heart. God, I give it to you. I lay it down at your feet. God, I'm yours. I'm not going to run anymore. And you feel like you're going to die, but then you surrender and this storm stops. It calms down. Now, once the storm is calmed, this amazing thing happens in verse 16. Look at this. At this, the men that were left in the boat, these sailors that were praying to their small g, hand-carved local gods, say this. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him to serve God. It's an act of worship, an act of commitment, an act of devotion. Because this is unbelieving. A pagan Gentile boat becomes a place of worship of the one true God. The ship of Tarshish becomes a temple of the living God. That wasn't Jonah's plan. It turns out that God's story is much larger. It's bigger than what we see. What an amazing story. So let me summarize chapter 1 for you. It basically goes like this. God said, go. Jonah said, no. God says, blow. Jonah says, so. Captain says, bro. Jonah says, throw. Sailors say, whoa. (laughs) So you see in chapter 1 of Jonah, the sailors come to know God. But for Jonah, his adventure is just beginning. You guys, it's never too late to quit running. And I want you to know, um, all of us, we do it. Whether it be in the little areas of our lives, like me at Albertsons or the post office, or maybe in whole areas of our life, we just, we want to run, we want to hide. But it's never too late to quit running guys running never works we just think it works right it really doesn't work maybe a storm has hit or is coming guys just don't wait till the storm gets worse like say god i i choose i make that choice to stop running today so let me give you a couple practical tips today number one step out of your comfort zone and take a risk that god's calling you into Don't let fear stop you from God's plan. Uh, God is asking you because he knows that you can do it, even if you think you can't. Like God is, when God asks us to do something, it's because God knows that we can. And God's spirit's with us. You can do all things through Christ, right? And so often we're like, but God, I can't. The fear is taking over my heart. I I don't want to go there. And God's saying, you can do this. Yes, you can. So step out. Take a risk. Faith is always spelled R-I-S-K. It's stepping out when you don't know the outcome's certain. And taking that risk. And, say, and, you know, in that, God meets us. That's where God meets us, and it's beautiful. And your faith is encouraged. So step out and take a risk this week. Number two, what Nineveh is God calling you to visit right now? What Nineveh is God calling you to? Stop looking for a ship of Tarshish and embrace God's path. Stop running. Surrender. 
forgive, sacrifice, let go of an attitude. God's way is always better in our attempts than our attempts of running and hiding. So I think every one of us have these moments where we're like, oh, Tarshish looks really attractive right now. And we just have to say, God, we're not going to look there. We're not going to try hiring the boat to go to the Tarshish because that's the opposite direction you want my heart to go in. So what is the Nineveh that God's calling you to? What is that Nineveh? And number three, God's plan is to reach the world, the nations. We should expect to see worship, commitment, devotion in the lives of people who are far away from God when the kingdom of God invades. We should expect that, guys. That's just normal. These sailors had no clue that Jonah, the runaway prophets in their boat, but God had a plan up his sleeve for them. That they would encounter the living God. So let's partner with God's spirit in seeing this happen to the world around us, to our own neighbors, to our co-workers. Let's all stand. For ministry time, why don't we have our ministry team come on up. And our prayer, during our prayer time today, there's a couple things that the Holy Spirit was highlighting today. And so, here's a couple things that came up. One of them was, um, if you're here and you need grace, you need love, maybe you could say you need a hug from God, that's available today. These prayer ministers would love to pray for you for that. Or maybe you're here and you're feel frozen and you maybe you've even wanted prayer for a while but you maybe feel like you're unworthy we would love to pray for you i i think so many people feel like well god i'm 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 running why would you ever want to come and give me your grace and mercy well, that's just who god is right that's just who god is god wants to pour out a blessing on you even in the middle of your running but today maybe make that step out and say god i'm choosing to stop running today or maybe you're facing a wall of fear today fears preventing you from moving forward we'd love to pray for you for that um there's also another word that somebody here needs direction in the middle of a really difficult situation you're facing something that is horrific in your life and you need god's direction and you don't know what to do i think god wants to bring clarity to that situation there's also a word for knees physical healing for knees and digestive systems and ears and thyroids so if that's if you are in one of those categories want to pray for you today and maybe most of all, we just want to say, you know what? If you're running, if you're running, come home. It's time. God's arms are open wide. Stop running today. God's arms are wide open. They're wide open. Let's uh, sing this song. If you need prayer or prayer partners up front, we'll have our closing prayer in just a minute. But uh, let's receive some prayer. Let's sing.